Hi, everybody. What do you think we should do first? That's what we should do first. Everybody reside closer to me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Nice job, Johnny. Thanks. Okay. Who's tired? Am I tired? I'm exhausted. Tired. Come on, you can tell me. Let me know. Tired. Oh, you're tired, are you? What, you haven't slept yet? You whiner? Whiner. Ten minutes. That's a long time. Sure it is. Well, then I have good news for you because this will be the shortest I've ever been in my life. Probably. Woo! Woo! Let's push it to 52, maybe 53. Then I'll shrink. 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 I said this is the shortest I've how I've ever been, and anyway. Um, <laughs> you haven't shrunk. You need a shrink. Funny, one of the sections in our book this week was, t- was entitled, <laughs> uh, if you didn't read this week's readings, I would encourage you to go back and catch up on it. There are some really good, intriguing titles that you might like, uh, like Morality and Psychoanalysis. I said that wrong. <laughs> Don't want that. What you might, might not mind, though, is psychoanalysis. That's different than what I said. <laughs> Social morality. Uh, the cardinal virtues. Just some headings to what we uh, covered this, this week in this section. So go back and check it out. If you didn't, if you didn't and you're here tonight, that's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. But uh, there's some really good content in there. So um, I would encourage you to go back and read it because I'm not going to cover nearly all of it. It's just not possible. There's lots of good, lots of good stuff in there. Um, but we are at week five of mere Christ- of our topical series on mere Christianity this summer. Um, and tonight I'm going to give you just a few things that are from the content and uh, we're going to read a section of scripture and then we're just going to be done. How's that sound? Sound okay? All right. Now next week, next week is the, one of the shorter sections in the book. So if you don't have a book, you can find, I will repost it. There's a, there's an online copy, but you'll have to utilize a computer or your phone to read it. Um, the next, next week's sections are very important for you to read ahead of time. Uh, there's lots of a content in them, particularly around our culture and the current issues, the current topics in our culture that we'll be revealing for next week. So it's only Two sections of the book, very small sections, but the titles of them are um, Sexual Morality and Christian Marriage. So those are two pretty current topics from a very, very old book (laughs) that was written topically uh, that we happen to be dealing with right now. So I would encourage you to read those two for next week. So now you know what's coming next week. You know I'll be short tonight. So let's get started. Um, when When we open up our topical um, series this week, when we understand what was going on, we've been training more and more since the beginning of of mere Christianity to now to get to the concept of of Christian religion. Now, we, I don't always like using the word religion, but but the the formalized worship of God, the the idea that we worship God in Christianity, that we are indeed little little Christ following Christ, and what is that? How do we get from this exists, how do we get then to Jesus Christ? 
uh, and we're, we, we're training more and more specifically and more and more fine-tuning our thinking and arguments down to the reality that Jesus Christ is real, and that means we really need to do something with him or else we are in, in great violation of, of how everything is built to run. So this week, when we open it up, we're actually going to be talking about Christian morality. We're going to get to Christian morals. We've talked about the law of human nature thus far. So we've, we've had this very overarching idea of, of kind of general morality. Uh, we've trended that down to specific morality. Now we're going to get to Christian morality. Now we're not going to get to it all in one week. In fact, it's going to take us three weeks to actually get through what Christian morality would be, what the idea of Christian values would be, how Jesus wants us to see the world, how God views the creation he made. We're going to open up this week and really kind of tackle general, general morality. Um, so when C.S. Lewis is writing, he actually sees uh, how morality plays out in three ways. There's three, three points. I don't know if we can put them all up. Cool. We can put them all up at once. I'm going to go through them really quickly. Uh, there's, ex- there's external, what I'm going to call external morality, how he describes it. And that would be the idea of seeing um, fairness, right behavior, right living. That's, that's the external morality. It's kind of um, what you see people do. It's actions, just strictly at the actions, the living out of fair living with, with one another, with each other. Um, the next one would be, you can actually put them all up, Amy, all three of them at once. No, no. Wait, this is how I had it, but this isn't how I had it. No, there should have been. No, I'm sorry. There's three points under the three parts of morality. Put all three parts up. That's just three parts. This is why I should have brought my computer. I got confused. Give me a second to get my notes up on my phone. I had my computer planning to bring it with me, and then I did not grab it. I instead just grabbed everything off the top of it. One second. Just give me a second. Just one second. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. I love technology. Um, the uh, <laughs> the next one, the next I've got it. We're good. Part in this three parts is this internal harmony. We would see that if we want to give a word to that one, it would be conscience. It's the fact that that yes, we are supposed to have a certain level of fairness in our interactions. Supposed to be a level of really behavior that we have that's right. But there's also another component, and that would be that there's an internal component to morality, right? Literally that when we live in a way that's not moral, when we do wrong, that there's something literally inside of us that's not right, and there's not our, – our, literally our conscience is at war with us, right? In our inner person, we are not right. So there's, there's a lack of peace, if you will, or harmony inside when we actually do not live live moral lives so there's an internal capacity as well and then his final part in the three parts is this idea of human purpose that we there's a purpose as well he uses an example um he uses an example of a fleet of ships um 
and they're traveling over the ocean. Now, if they're traveling over in the ocean in, in the dark, so sight is not as much of an issue, right? So they're, they're actually traveling. They're, they're traveling on a course. Now, there's a couple of things about each ship. In order for a ship to make it to where it's headed, it's going to need to, to on the outside, right, follow correctly. It's going to need to drive straight. It's going to need to avoid obstacles, right? It's, not going, it's going to need to not bump into things, right? Now, in a fleet of ships, one of the a very easy thing to bump into would be other ships, ships that are right next to it that are going places. It's going to need to, on the outside of the ship, be sturdy and strong and ready to handle those things. It's also going to need to avoid hitting those obstacles because if a ship continually hits obstacles, it's going to not be seaworthy. And the same thing is true of a ship on the inside. If a ship on the inside is not mechanically sound, if the, if the rudder is not working properly, if the engine is not functioning properly, it's not going to make it to its destination either. It's going to fail. It's going to not be seaworthy as well. So the, that's the external and the internal parts playing together. But there's also a very important thing for a, a ship, and that is a destination. Where is the ship going? So he kind of paints this picture with, with in a nautical sense, which really is in many ways lost on us. Not many nautical people anymore. Everyone here has an affinity for nautical things. The sea and boats and sailing and no. Um, but <laughs> it's like we might as well just be on a big giant island and we're never going to leave. It's kind of how it is. Um, but it uses this example to, to, to help us understand that, that there's three parts to morality. There's an external and internal. And then there's also, a, there's also like a, if you look outside at a destination, there has to be someplace you're going with it. Um, and when he, when he paints, when he frames morality in that way, you can then see how it's going to apply to how you're going to apply morality holistically. Because for lots of us, we, we find it very easy to do the first. In fact, when we think of morality, we think of the first part. It's external morality. It's how we behave and how we look. And in fact, sometimes we can say, you know, uh, so-and-so is, so-and-so is good people, right? Because how they behave or how they act, right? Maybe they pay their bills on time. Maybe they... Maybe they treat people kindly. Um, but the reality of it is, is you have no idea what's going on inside that person. In fact, that, that person could be a horrible person. In fact, if, when you're not seeing that person, when the person is alone, is morality still at play? Does morality even come into play? Because if it does, what if they're a horrible person, right? And what if that's causing that second part of morality, that fact that there is an internal harmony, the fact that things have to function well inside as well, that, that we, are, we have a conscience that, that brings to bear in our lives. What if that part is, is completely out of whack, then, then everything can seem good on the outside. In fact, the biggest mark against the church is sometimes we just try to look nice, right? And we're just, we're just broken, fallen people. People that are hurting feel like they can't go into the church because no one in the church has problems. But we all have problems. In fact, we all have a lot of problems, and some of us have even more problems than others. I don't even know why you let me teach because I probably feel like I have more problems than all of you. So, so that's the first one is the outside, but the internal one could be all out of whack. And then if you don't have a where you're going, you realize that suddenly motive comes into play. The why isn't there. Where's the destination? What's the purpose to morality? Really, it's that philosophical, that philosophical part of morality. Why? Why, why, why morality? So why you see that there's a why, suddenly, suddenly motives are, are a factor. Well, then morality is, is very intricate and layered. It's not as simple as, it, as it's as simply, oh, that person behaves well. He's a good person because I've seen him do good things. Or when he's around me, he does the things that I would like him to do, <laughs> right? So, so he really kind of breaks down morality in a way that actually gives it um, volume and depth. Um, and then he goes on to talk about something that I think has actually trended. 
I want to say it's trended more in literature recently than anything else. He talks about the cardinal virtues, which is lost on everyone in the room that is under the age of 50. Did I, I, did I count you out? Oh, darn it. I thought I picked high enough. You, you probably, you weren't taught the cardinal virtues. You had no idea what they were. I should have shot higher. It's lost on everyone in the room. Everyone in the room. Because no one... <laughs> The cardinal virtues are, are, are just something that's lost over time. Now, are, I know this. You probably don't because most of you aren't like looking at the New York Times bestseller list. But a lot of books more recently have dealt with things like virtues, um, masculinity and femininity, separate from anything to do with God, but this idea that virtues are important, right? In fact, uh, I want to say probably 20-odd years ago, this, this big book came out, and you, your grandparents may have gotten it and put it on like, the coffee table or something. It was called The Book of Virtues, and it basically had stories and quips and little tales about virtues and it was broken down into virtues. Um, it's just, it's just interesting that that would be a topic that people would write about, but the cardinal virtues, <laughs> by the way, I mean, write about, and then we don't actually listen to it. We just write about them. Um, the cardinal virtues, there's four. The four cardinal virtues are prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Those are the four cardinal virtues. I don't I don't know if, the, if we can, yeah, you can put them all up. It's fine. Um, prudence is not simply being a prude, which is kind of got a negative connotation. It's, prudence is that that idea of having some sort of like common sense. Like some people are really, really like intelligent, and then they're not. They're not have no prudence whatsoever. Like when it comes to actual common sense, they're they're completely lost. But like they can like break down mathematical equations, and, and now we have we're blessed with our church with some people that are both intelligent and also have common sense, but that's not always the case, right? Street smarts. You can put it that way. Someone that can, that can think on their feet, common sense. They, they, they want to, they want to look at what's happening. They want to analyze what's going on. And they want to make a good decision. That's prudence. Um, Proverbs talks about prudence all the time. It's, it's always good to be thinking ahead, planning or acting in a way that's wise, Right? You don't just fly by the seat of your pants all the time. You don't just, you know, do whatever I feel like I'm going to do. Prudence is that idea of, of looking ahead and, and making good decisions. Uh, temperance is ironically about the time, well, a little before, but around the time C.S. Lewis would have been writing this, would have been seen in, in the movement of, of prohibition in many ways. This idea that alcohol was something you, you needed to have temperance against. Um, it's actually not the idea of not doing something, which is what they were trying to push when, when prohibition was out. We just get rid of all of alcohol and then everybody goes to Mexico because it's where all the fun is. Like, why? Anyway, <laughs> the, idea, the idea of, <laughs> maybe it's not as funny as I thought it was. The idea of, the idea of um, temperance, yeah, you, when you just think about it, if it's not in America, they had to put, they, you had it in Mexico, so you just went over to Mexico, you could drink. So, okay, so temperance is actually this idea of moderation. In fact, we should have practiced temperance in most things. Uh, I'll give you one to not practice temperance in something that's easy. It's a bit just a behavior, something you could do that you probably do not practice temperance in. And that is streaming videos, right? So Netflix, Hulu, YouTube. You probably don't practice temperance in that. There's no moderation. It's something that you can just just indulge in, right? Just like like an alcoholic would drink too much alcohol. 
So every night is marked by overconsumption of alcohol to make the day different. Well, we could watch entirely too much office in one sitting just so that we feel better about ourselves or happy, right? Temperance is that idea of moderating what you do. Um, so being temperate in all things is good because, and he actually doesn't explain this, and I'll just take a brief second to explain it. Temperance is actually how stuff was designed to work. In fact, there really isn't a lot that the Bible would forbid you to enjoy. The Bible wants you to enjoy everything. The idea of hedonism is not a bad thing if you understand it in the context of Christ. Hedonism being the pursuit of pleasure. See, God created this world and it is good, and he would, he would like for us to enjoy it to his glory is what he would like to do. And that means things like food and drink and sex, dancing, and these are all things that are good in the right context. You've got to put them in the right context. You've got to use them in the right way. One of the great ways to see all those things in is this, this cardinal virtue outlined in temperance. That is tempering what I do with all those things so that they are appropriate. Now, we're gonna, we would umbrella that under exactly how God calls us to do. God gives us a way in which life works. And we'll see that in the passage we read tonight. There's a time, I mean, there's just times for things, right? There's, there's, uh, there's a whole section in God's word about the seasons. There's times for mourning. There's times for dancing. There's times for weeping. There's times for, for partying, right? Celebrating. It's ironic. I, it, you wouldn't know it now because it doesn't look nearly as fun, but when God called the Jewish people to himself, he created life around festivals and parties. Like he created life around celebration. Uh, I mean, that's kind of lost now. In fact, when you think Judaism, usually Jewish people, you think really like boring people now. It's a lot of rules and kind of played and I don't think they're fun. But the reality of it is, is originally, if you look back, like every five, six weeks, we're having a extended party, <laughs> an extended celebration. Now there's, there's also times where he brought great sobering, sobering, times for his people to, to remember and think they were usually always balanced though with the idea of celebrating and being thankful to God. So temperance is a big thing. Um, we can, you can run too far right and too far left with temperance and you can miss the whole point. Um, then there's this idea of justice and obviously this is not just legal justice. I put justness there um, or fairness. It's the idea of being fair in what you do. Um, the idea that there is a right and wrong, and in fact, it's not just the idea that right and wrong, but that you you become frustrated, perhaps slightly annoyed when when the opposite of justice is true. And that's how you'll know if you if you really value justice, right? It's like uh, I don't know. I always I always say this, but whenever I'm in a movie and I, I the the hero get tagged as the villain, like I know we know he's the hero, like we have we have you know third-party omniscience in the story where we're watching it and and we know that that's the hero and they're trying to blame him for something that he didn't do and i get a little frustrated with that right or worse yet the villain is thought of as the hero because he's hidden his evils from everyone that's like where it's just it's injustice right and suddenly you realize that you value justice in fact everybody does but it's why it's why usually most plots go one of the two ways either the either the for some part of the movie the hero is thought of to be the villain and, and we are incited at the injustice or the 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 villain is thought of to be the hero we are incited in injustice and it actually sparks an emotional reaction from us when we connect more with the movie as the story unfolds because entertainment is stupid and they want your money right 
So these are just four of the cardinal virtues. Um, there is, there's three more that we're going to talk about, not next week, but the following week. Uh, charity, peace, and joy. I'm going to be missing that last one. I think it's joy. I have to go back and look. I apologize. Faith. Oh, we talk about fortitude. Well, that's stupid. It's like I stopped. It's like I forgot fortitude was there. I, I had no perseverance whatsoever in this list. Fortitude is exactly what we would understand the word to be. It's perseverance. It's persevering through uh, or um, uh, having courage, not just in the midst of, of something that's hard, um, but also the courage to you know gut it out as well when something isn't easy. Right? It's not just running out into, into war to fight against the enemy. It's also when something is going to be arduous and take us a while, we don't just quit and give up. So that's the idea of fortitude. Good. Now I've talked about the four, these four cardinal virtues. The other three are more of what they would call the, the, the actually they would classify them as Christian virtues. It's faith, faith, charity, or love, and is it peace? Wow. I said peace. I did say peace. Might be hope. Did I say joy? Now I'm really all confused. It's, it's really okay. There's three other ones that we're talking about in two weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I say I was exhausted? I might have mentioned that. It may or, be not, it may or may not be true. Um, the big thing that he talks about, if we're going to understand morality, is that in morality, it's not simply actions that are going to bring about a person to be moral, but quality. All of this is going to build us to these, these idea, the ideas of Christian morality. Which really starts hugely next week. If we're gonna talk about if we're gonna talk about sexual immorality, we're gonna to have to or sexual morality, we're gonna to have to talk about Christian values. So it's gonna start slamming into us this word, this idea of Christian values where Christ centered morals have us go, that we need to understand in uberly important that it's not simply about your actions that make you moral or right, right? It's the quality of who you are. Because you see, when you take simply separating the actions, when you look at all three parts that he laid out of morality, you understand that holistically, they get us to not just what we do, but why we do and how we do what we do. Because you can begrudgingly be a moral person or look like a moral person. If you begrudgingly look like a moral person, are you a moral person? No, you're not a moral person. You actually don't like the morals you're even, you're even living out. The reality is, is that there's a quality of a person that would make them courageous, a quality of a person that makes them persevere, right? A quality to a person that would have them be prudent in what they do. It's a quality of a person, not simply, it's not simply an action or two that's going to make you those things. And so morality, we see as we lay down this foundation that, that C.S. Lewis has, has laid down, it's much more than simple action, but a quality of who those people are. Um, I did not get much into the two sections, which I would encourage you to read. See how I can plug them. Go back and read the, the section on um, social morality and morality and psycho analysis. Ah, I said it right. <laughs> Go back and read those two sections. Particularly interesting um, are the sections he reads, he writes about, about psychoanal psychoanalysis. <laughs> I'm never going to say that word right again. <laughs> psychoanalysis. He actually talks about it in really cool ways. Um, he identifies psychoanalysis as very similar to what the Christian call 
to speak into each other's lives is. It's to know and understand people by asking good questions to get to know them. Um, but but you'll see where he's where he shows that psychoanalysis kind of stop, it just stops short. It doesn't quite go as far as it doesn't go as far as Christ does. Christ goes infinitely farther than than psychoanalysis. But it's a great it's a great read. So I would encourage you. They're both those two those two sections are actually really tiny. Tiny little sections. You can just like read those in like five and move right on to sexual morality and Christian marriage. Close out tonight. I want to read Romans twelve, nine through twenty-one. Um, we're just gonna read them. Now, as we're reading them, though, I need you to look at I need you to look for some things as we read them. Um, we talked about virtues tonight, and in many ways are contrasted by by their antithesis. And this is an interesting section of scripture. What you're going to see is as we read it, as we read through it, that the, the moral kind of answer, if you will, is usually contrasted either right away or shortly thereafter by the immoral, the immoral action. So it's like what, what God calls us to do and what God tells us not to do. And he puts it right in this nice little tight packed section of verses all at once, and it kind of goes down some really good things for us to understand as Christ would call us to live. Um, I just thought this interesting. I'll just throw this out there. Do you know how many times the I only actually searched the ESV, it's supposed to be specific. Do you know how many times the word morality is used in the uh, New Testament in the ESV? Zero. Morality is used zero times in the ESV. Do you know how many times the word immorality is used? Yeah, it not fifty. Uh, it's about it's about twelve. I think it's actually fifteen if I counted it right. So what's interesting? You know what word is used every time immorality is used? Sexual <laughs> immorality. It's very interesting. I just thought that was interesting that I could not find morality once, and the only time I can find immorality used in the SV in the New Testament is with the word sexual in front of it. Sexual immorality. It's just just interesting observation. But when we turn to Romans 12, look at this great little picture of, uh, I'm going to call it some Christian virtues that he just outlines here in Romans. So let me turn there. You guys can cheat because it's up on the screen for you. Uh, Romans 12, we'll start in verse 9. So remember, pay attention, looking for, for the, the right and the wrong, the, the moral and the immoral as they kind of go again. It says this, Paul writing to the Romans, let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse them rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep live in harmony with one another do not be haughty but associate with the lowly never be wise in your own sight repay no one for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, 
Give him something to drink for you. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, marks of a true Christian is how, is how the ESV calls out this section in Romans. And it's interesting because the reality of it is even in a list of moralities, you're not going to see any of this done by, by people that don't know Christ. The sad reality is you're not going to see any of this done by most of the people that do love Christ. My encouragement to you tonight is if Jesus Christ, if you know him to be a man and God fully, and if you know him to be the one that came and died on the cross, not because he was a masochist and not because he had to, but because he loved you and he loved I, and we could not pay the penalty for our sins and, and in any way spend eternity with a holy God. And in doing so, he pays the penalty for our sins and he exchanges our, in right, our unrighteousness for his righteousness. And if that's the Jesus you know, and if that's the actions of the Jesus you know, then the question I think is interesting when we look at morality. This is a short little list in Romans. It's actually stuck in the book in a way that, that reading through the book, it's just one of the billions of things you can pull out of it. But when, you, when you're looking at simply looking at morality, the idea of being moral, what are virtues and morality like? When we come to this little short section, you know, all 12 verses, if you think about it, if you're thinking about your life and you read them, it's just hammering. It's just hammering. Like, is your love always genuine? Do you have genuine love? Or do you like just love the people that are convenient for you to love? Do you just love the people that treat you the way you'd like to be treated? How about this? It's a really, it's a really interesting one. I, need, I don't even know if you realize it's in the Bible. Let's find it. Do, do, do. do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Like, do, you, do you have people that maybe you don't think are awesome, but you love them anyway. And you're like, you maybe thought, maybe you thought of one person. How about, how about a lot? No, you're like, no, there's this one guy. I just can't stand him. He's just, he, he's weird. He has dress night or all your opinions. And they are perspective. Right. And I do hang out with him. I talk to him. Oh, I sit with him, you know, at work, sometimes at lunch or I, I make sure I say hi to how his weekend was on Mondays or, you check the box. Well, this is like, this is not just simply one action. This is overarching. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. This isn't like an instance. This is like, we should be marked by this, right? That's saying, don't think yourself too good. In fact, realize that you're not, and you should love everybody, including the people that are actually outcast and ostracized in most places, in most circles. It's just amazing. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. It's an interesting one that actually deals like inside of the body. Do you know enough about the needs of the people that are around you? Who do you know that's overburdened in the church, that's really busy, you're having a hard time, and then do you go to them and ask them how you can help? That's just easy. That's just inside. That's brotherly love. That's all of First John wants us to know that if we don't do that, how's the world ever going to? If we can't do that inside the church, the world's never going to know. She's never going to know outside of the church who Christ is. We can't even show each other who Christ is. It's just an amazing little list. If the gospel is true, if Jesus is who he says he is, then we look at those three points 
sense of morality that topically we say, absolutely, amen, all three work together, and I know where we're going, right? I know the point. I know the end, the end game of, of life. I know that I was created simply and holistically to glorify God, right? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you're doing, do it all to the glory of God. That is our whole and sum total call in life to bring God glory. Once I know that, that's my direction. That's my course. And then I know simple actions right here, right, to do, to live out. But the problem is none of these actions are actually separated from their heart motive, right? To not be haughty isn't just an outward, outward appearance. It's actually going to start on the inside. It's going to think about who, who you are inside. It's the pride inside that you live out, right? To love genuinely means love isn't just simply me doing kind things, but genuine love comes from a heart that sees Christ for who he is, knows Christ's love, and then is going to love people that way. It's a sacrificial love that costs you everything. So that's tonight. That is the whole teaching time of tonight. So for respond time, Nathan will come up. He'll play the piano just for, just for a minute or two. Just pray. Take a look at this list. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. It's not a prerequisite. Read through the list. It's short. In fact, we can you know, leave part of it up on the screen at least if you wanted to. Um, it's not long, but there's great things in it. And they ask us, how's your heart? If you know who Jesus is, if you know this Jesus does this mark your life? Is this what pours out of your heart? Or instead, it was what pours out of our heart? Selfishness. Pride. Is our motivation for what we do not, wow, how am I building the kingdom? What has Christ called me to, right? Or is our love so shallow, so simplistic, that it revolves predominantly around what we want, what we like, and what we enjoy, are we so shallow that we only hang out with people that we have affinity with? They're like us. They're similar to us. It's easy. Just good questions. Let's so take a minute. Look, pray, talk to Father God. See what he says. See what the word reveals. Respond to the Holy Spirit so that he can help you to change. And that's all of the teaching time tonight. Then when you're done, you respond in singing. We rejoice and we sing together. All right? So respond with me tonight.